As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. 49ers are in the midst of a much-needed bye week. You can make the argument that this is one of the most needed bye weeks in franchise history, and I don't think that you'd be exaggerating. I mean, I don't think the 49ers have ever been as injured as they've been this year, at least in a season in which they've been contending, and they still do have a legitimate shot to keep on contending given the fact that the playoffs are a bit expanded this year and they're four and six there's a lot of parity in the NFL still chance to pull themselves out of it and you know it's it's funny we talked about the 1991 49ers a few weeks ago Dennis was on that team and that still has to be the model for the 49ers if they want to claw themselves out of this one uh they were four and six in 1991 and then they won their last six games didn't make the playoffs but there was also one fewer playoff team that year, so they would have made the playoffs under the 2020 rules. Guys, we have to talk about this football team in terms of trying to make the playoffs until they're mathematically eliminated because that's how Kyle Shanahan's thinking. That's how these players are thinking. And, Matt, the 49ers do hope that against the Rams, when they come out there on November 29th, they're going to be a lot healthier than they were for their last game against the Saints where they lost to the Superdome. And if they can get some of these names back, it's not going to be Garoppolo yet, but some of these other names back, they're going to have a lot better shot to move the ball and do some good things against the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I think the 49ers right now, as we're speaking, have 46 guys on their active roster. This is an active roster that should have 53. I mean, I've seen it go down to 52, 51, maybe 50 in the last 20 years, it's never dipped to 46. Now, some of those spots will be taken up. They made a claim for Tack McKinley, the defensive end, on Wednesday. So he'll take up a spot, if assuming that he passes his physical. And some of these guys who are coming off of IR will take up spots. But just to your point, David, it just dwindled to a level... I don't know whether we've seen this in the NFL, not just the 49ers the last uh, 20 years. This is sort of uh, uncharted territory for them. But you're right. I mean, uh, Shanahan laid out basically a uh, a blueprint for how he'd love to see these guys start coming back. And it starts with Sherman, Mostert, Debo Samuel wasn't on IR, but it, he should be back for this game. Tevin Coleman might be back for this game. 
And then in coming weeks, maybe you get Ben Garland back at center. Maybe you get K1 Williams back at nickel cornerback. And maybe you get Jimmy Garoppolo back. And Shanahan even mentioned George Kittle as a possibility. I think they definitely have to be in the playoff hunt for this to happen. But Kittle would be due to come back right before that finale against the Seahawks. So he's obviously laying out sort of a carrot for everybody. If you can kind of keep the ship afloat into the month of December, you know, maybe there's a shot for a real sort of uh, boost, a shot in the arm there, Dennis, with uh, some of these marquee names coming back. You look at this 49er team and every week it just seems like two or three players going down. I'm talking key players on both sides of the ball. And, And it's been a rough first half of the season and you know like you just mentioned all those guys coming back that's gonna um, help out the offense Uh, Richard Sherman has an opportunity uh, to come back after this bye week that's gonna be a big shot in the arm just a leadership on the field practice field uh, in the locker room game time uh, type of stuff but it's gonna be really important for the guys who are healthy what they do with their bodies during this time off Staying healthy is going to be the key if, if they want to push uh, these last games and, and hopefully, you know, get some wins uh, and, and end the season on a high note. But it's going to be important for the guys who are healthy right now, keeping their bodies, you know, whatever it takes, whatever treatment it takes, the little bumps and, and bruises, getting into the training room and taking care of themselves uh, so they can actually, you know, go on, the healthy guys go on and complete the season and not be one of one of those guys who ends up on an IR or in the in the training room missing games. You know, well, I wrote a big offensive report card at the midterms right now. You know, I know we're a little bit past halfway, but the bye week is giving me a chance to take inventory of the 49ers. And one thing that I realized, I guess it's not surprising in the midst of all these injuries, but the 49ers have not had a chance to put their actual offensive vision in full on the field yet for a game this season. And by that, I mean all the frontliners offensively haven't been out there together. And uh, by that, I mean George Kittle, Jordan Reed, the two tight ends, with Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and Raheem Mostert plus Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously. That just hasn't happened. The most they've gotten, I think, is that entire group without Reed, I believe. And I think Samuel might have still been limited. But the bottom line is they haven't been able to fully flex their offensive muscles. And maybe they'll never be able to do it this year. You know, there's a chance that even as guys start coming back, you know, they're going to lose on the other end. And and some of those returners will get hurt again. That's just the way that this season has gone. So I wouldn't be surprised. But as a football fan, it would be really interested to see Reed and Kittle on the field at the same time. And then if you're a 49ers fan, you would love to see those two, the big bodies. Obviously, Reed, is he's huge out there with the soft hands. Pair it with Kittle's power and his speed. And then pair that with... Ayuk and with Debo Samuel and Raheem Mostert hitting the edge, you'd really be able to see what Kyle Shanahan had in mind all offseason. And I'm still wondering if we're going to be able to get to that. If we do, probably be really late in the season. But that's why it's important for the 49ers to scratch and claw right now because you maximize the chances of George Kittle making a meaningful return because he's I think, the latest on all these timetables to come back from the broken foot. But, Matt, there's another exciting addition on the defensive end. I don't know how quickly he's going to be ready to play for the 49ers. Uh, we're still waiting for him to, to pass his physical. But they claimed Tack McKinley off waivers, former Atlanta Falcon. Did not overlap with Kyle Shanahan there, but he's a first-round pick. 
from 2017. In his first two seasons in the league, edge rusher, eight sacks both of those years. Uh, he wasn't happy in Atlanta, and the 49ers are hoping that's why he hasn't been as productive lately. But if they can get an eight-sack kind of guy, all of a sudden this season defensively looks different, and maybe he's a guy they want to keep around beyond this season. But either way, intriguing ad for the final six games of the year. Yeah, intriguing I think is the right word. I mean, we should note right off the bat that he got to the 49ers by failing a, a physical in, in Cincinnati. So no 49ers fan is going to be excited that uh, they're adding a guy who couldn't pass his physical. But I don't know what was behind that. I don't know how long it's going to take him to get healthy. But the, the 49ers, who are in, I don't want to say salary cap straights, but they don't have a lot of room, added a guy. You had the number, David. 750000 essentially a rental for the end of this year to see what they want to do with it. Because he's going to be a free agent, right? After right, this right. But still, they don't have a lot of space. So they're, they're adding him for a reason. And one is that he is a free agent at the end of the season. So worst case scenario, he signs a deal with someone else and the 49ers might get a comp pick in the 2022 draft. Best case scenario is that they've got an edge rusher for these last six games. We've been talking about this ad nauseum. They just have real trouble, especially with that that speed rushing spot that was earmarked for D Ford. They could really use somebody there, and they could use somebody next year too. So if they like what they see, or they at least see some progress from him, both him and uh, Jordan Willis, they're going to be free agents. They're not going to be expensive to resign. I don't think they've seen much from Deion Jordan. I don't think he's coming back. I don't think D. Ford is coming back. Nick Bosa, I know no one wants to hear it, but you know when you have an ACL tear, it's a question mark about how well you're going to be able to play next season. I mean, we all thought that Ronald Blair might be ready for week one of uh, 2020. Ronald Blair might not play this season. I mean, it's still a very cloudy injury, a torn ACL. So there are question marks galore at that spot. So the, the, my point is that the more bodies, the more options you have at defensive end, the better. And, and the 49ers are giving themselves a good one, Dennis, in, in Tack McKinley. I mean, he's, he's a local guy. He's from the East Bay. He's going to want to be here. And um, he showed enough to be a first-round pick back in 2017. Yeah. You know, as far as edge rushers, you know, that's something that the 49ers need desperately. You know, you're not going to find a Nick Bosa out there, and you're not going to find another D Ford, but you can find some guys that going to give you some good, and that's all the 49ers really need. They need some guys that give give them some consistent outside pass rush, and eight sacks would be great, but I think the 49ers are just looking for someone that can get a quarterback off the mark, get a quarterback contained, you know, get a sack here and there. They're just looking for some aggressive play on the outside, on the perimeter of that defense, someone to set an edge. Uh, someone who's going to be able to dissect an offense, run some plays down, you know, be a playmaker uh, on the outside of the defense. So it'll be interesting to see what why he did not pass the physical. I mean, if he's if he's going to be one of these guys that are that's coming in injured already. Don't know. But right now you just need someone on that outside that's going to bring some consistent pressure. Sacks are important, but it's not the main thing. Just pressure on the outside. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'll say this, when the Bengals claimed Tack McKinley, he did not tweet anything. He didn't seem excited about it outwardly. When the 49ers claimed him, and this is before the physical, he tweeted saying he's ready to get to work for the 49ers. I don't know what entails a physical or if a player can kind of dictate where he goes if he fails it. Or Dennis, you might know better than me how the whole physical process works when they bring guys in. Do you have to run? Do you have to, to show that you're physically fit? It's a workout. It's kind of a mini combine. You do the bench press. You do some, you know, like a vertical jump. Of course, you do your, you know, your physical as far as a doctor goes. Look at your knees, your shoulders, your neck. Uh, then you go on the field and you do, you know, you do some drills. So if, if he didn't pass that, you know, I don't know if it was, you know, something, an injury, or if maybe he refused to do the 245. I mean, whatever it is, you know, he didn't pass a physical and it'd be interesting to see why he did not pass a physical. Yeah. And, and the only piece of information I have is that he has publicly shown excitement over the 49ers claiming him and he did not do the same when the Bengals did. So we'll, you know, make that, make of that what you will, but we'll find out the results, I'm sure, soon enough. And uh, Matt, great point. Uh, he, he is from the Bay Area. So this is the 49ers only team left in the Bay Area. So this is the homecoming for Tack McKinley if it works out. And the 49ers are looking for whatever they can get because against the Rams on November 29th, after this bye week, uh, the 49ers are going to do their best to replicate the game plan that worked in week six. To date, that is the most impressive win of the season for the 49ers. The Rams, we said it then, and we can double down on it now, guys. Very balanced football team. Top 10 offense and defense. And they just, uh, you know, beat the Seahawks pretty good. I thought that balance was on display for the Rams. The way that the 49ers beat them back in week six was a really smart game plan from Kyle Shanahan. Remember, that was right after they got embarrassed by Miami. And the Miami Dolphins just completely exposed the 49ers offense. Obviously, there were injury issues for the 49ers. It was Garoppolo's first game back from the first high ankle sprain. And the offensive line was not doing a good job in standard pass protection. So Kyle Shanahan came out against the Rams, who obviously have Aaron Donald and all those guys on defense, and he took it to them by playing on his terms. And that's when we first saw those forward pitches to Debo Samuel, all that reverse action. I mean, the 49ers went heavy on it, and they shielded their offensive line as much as possible. But I think the biggest play of that game, it was a great example of what the NFL has become. When push comes to shove, your quarterback has to make a play. You can run all the fancy gimmicks and, and hide your offensive line for an X amount of time, but ultimately there's going to be that make-or-break moment where the quarterback has to deliver. And Jimmy Garoppolo did in Week 6 against the Rams when they brought that blitz, cover zero up the middle, and he hit George Kittle for the touchdown. Niners don't win without that play. They don't have Jimmy Garoppolo in all likelihood on November 29th 
And I think Nick Mullins is going to have to be ready for blitzes that he hasn't been ready for so far, and he's going to have to make those kinds of plays, Matt, for the 49ers to upset the Rams. Yeah, Garoppolo did have Debo Samuel, did have Brandon Ayuk, did have Kittle for that game, so Nick Mullins is not going to have all of those weapons, although he should have uh, certainly more than he had against the Saints. You know, uh, you look, looking at their uh, respective schedules, the 49ers obviously are, are coming off of a bye. Uh, they should be a bit recharged, uh, although, I mean, you wouldn't blame them uh, in, in hindsight if they weren't. This, this uh, has been an extremely taxing season for everybody. But they're coming off the bye. Uh, they have the extra week of rest. The, uh, the Rams are flying across the country to Tampa Bay. They're playing the Buccaneers on Monday night. So not only do they have an East Coast trip, they've got a short week to prepare. It, it, it's the, the scheduling favors the 49ers in this one, Dennis. Uh, and um, I don't want to say must win. Uh, if the 49ers lost this, they'd be 4-7. and seven. They'd still be technically alive in the NFC. There'd be all sorts of machinations about how they could make it. But effectively, um, I feel like they need to win this game. They need to kind of uh, draw the Rams closer to them in the division. And uh, they, they seem to have a shot. I mean, uh, just given the results of their first meeting and the fact that uh, they're going to be well-rested for this upcoming game. I think it is a must-win. I mean, a lot of these games that the, that the Niners have been playing, it's it's been must-wins. You're behind now in your division, you know, where everyone's tied for first place. you, you got to catch up somehow, and, and I think you fall behind with the Rams. You split games with the Rams. you still got to see the Cardinals again. You have to see the Seahawks again. you, you got to get this win just to kind of get up. Just morale. You know, believing that, yeah, we can still, we still have a chance to kind of finish up this season strong. The Rams, good football team. And I think, David, you said it. You know, you, you can do all that, the eye candy, the, the, the motions. You can get on the perimeter. But your quarterback has to make plays. Your quarterback has to make good decisions. Uh, Nick Mullins, this is a game that the ball is going to be in his hands. He's going to have to make the decisions. He's going to have to be more accurate. He's going to have to be able to figure out if Debo's in there or if he's not in there. You have to figure out how to attack the perimeter of this defense. You can't let this defense pin their ears back and come straight up the field. You got to get them running sidelines to sidelines, and then you got to stretch the football field. So the key to this game is going to be the quarterback play. Nick Mullins has to have his best game as a 49er. Guys, I go back to 2018. I think Nick Mullins is obviously not a long-term replacement for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think he has that many wins in him. I think the 2018 season demonstrated that. But I do think he's got one, maybe two wins as upsets in him. I think we saw that in 18, right? He beat the Denver Broncos, and then he beat the Seattle Seahawks that year. And the Seahawks were a playoff team. That was impressive, what he did with a undermanned roster against the Seahawks at Levi Stadium. I still remember DeForest Buckner making that huge sack uh, of Russell Wilson, Robert Sala going crazy on the sideline. But Nick Mullins came through for the 49ers in both of those games. Now, he had George Kittle, who had that record-breaking performance, I think like 211 receiving yards against the Broncos. And obviously he won't have George Kittle here, but there are other pieces. We talk about Raheem Mostert. We talk about Debo Samuels probably going to be back. Brandon Ayuk, obviously. Jordan Reed, he wasn't on the team back then. So in a way, the 49ers have greater strengths elsewhere than they did in 2018. The point remains the same, that this is a team that is going to be an underdog against the Rams, and they're going to have to somehow scrounge out a victory 
behind their backup quarterback who doesn't win a whole lot of games but has proven that he could win some. And the stakes are different now, Matt, because back in 2018, 49ers were already eliminated. But if they can get the same you know, result from Nick Mullins, if he can scrounge out a win, maybe two, over the Rams and Buffalo, and then he builds that bridge to Jimmy Garoppolo and maybe even to George Kittle while the 49ers are still in contention. So that's the way I look at it. I, I, I don't think you can expect Nick Mullins to win a lot but I think that you can expect a couple from him, and the 49ers need at least one right now. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can tell what the the head coach is telling the team by what he says to the media. And uh, Shanahan on Tuesday was sort of dangling those possibilities out there to us that, boy, if this group, these guys who have uh, you know taken more snaps than they were expected to, um, you know, we're talking about the the Kerry Hiders, the the Nick Mullins, the the backups who have been kind of thrust into starting roles. If they can just eke out a couple of wins here, um, there is uh, some light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, so you're you're right. I mean, I, I feel like Nick Mullins, you know, first has to avoid mistakes. Um, t- two interceptions is is going to lose you this game. There's, there's no way that uh, the 49ers are going to be able to to overcome that. Um, and then, uh, you know, you, you look at his weaponry, and uh, I thought the, one of the positives coming out of the, the Saints game was his continued rapport, really, with Jordan Reed. I mean, um, likes to go to the tight end, uh, as you noted, uh, liked to go to Kittle back in 2018, uh, goes to uh, Reed, uh, uh, you know, the same degree, and Reed's talented. Um, he's a great pass. He's probably a better pass catcher than George Kittle is. He's not as tough and physical. You can't play him at inline tight end like you can um, uh, George Kittle. And, and that's what makes that Kittle-Reed combination so tantalizing is that they, they complement each other. They'd be a really good duo if they ever got on the field healthy at the same time. But my point is that uh, Mullins likes to go to the tight end. He's not an outside guy. He's not a deep guy. None of the 49ers quarterbacks uh, uh, are, are deep guys, it seems like. But um, when you have a couple of options... Um, Debo Samuel running those those slants and uh, crosses. Ayuk doing the same thing, and then Jordan Reed, sort of the uh, the X factor there. That, that that should be enough. You would think that uh, in a close game, the 49ers could squeak out a, a road win, and boy, that would be a, a real kind of jolt to their hopes for the rest of the season. The Saints game, that was a very winnable football game. You were playing against a really good Saints team. You didn't capitalize on opportunities, and I think that's going to be the key. You can sneak up on the Rams. They got a long road trip. You got a long bye, but you got to capitalize. I mean, you have to take up the opportunities. You have to make the big plays. And, and I look at last week, the 49ers could have won. They could have they beat the Saints, especially after, after Drew Brees went out the game. You had an opportunity. You had picks. You had you had opportunities on the offense and the defense. You have to play your best football game, and you have to be effective. You can't have the turnovers. You can't have the mistakes. If you have mistakes against good football teams, you lose the game. So I think if the 49ers go in there, they take advantage of their opportunities, and they play mistake-free football, you can come out with a win. Yeah, when you're the underdog, you have to win in the margins, and the margins are often special teams, right? And uh, this goes along with what you were saying exactly, Dennis. The 49ers got beaten badly on special teams against the Saints, even though the Saints muffed a punt of their own, but the 49ers muffed two, and they gave up a 75-yard kick return. And you got to think if they avoid 
two of those plays, and it's not that hard, I think, to avoid a muffed punt. They have a really good chance to win that game if they avoid just two of those plays. And then I think when you're the underdog, you got to avoid all of them. You have to be better on special teams because that's where the effort comes in. That's where the focus comes in. It's not about talent on special teams. All these guys are fast, physical NFL players. Unless you have a Devin Hester, you know, then it's it's more about focus and you can't pull a Trent Taylor and forget to call off the punt return unit when you're not feeling the punt. You know, you, you have to do the small things. You have to cover first base. You have to cover home. You have to do those details. And, and I think that maybe after the bye, the 49ers will be more locked in and focused to, to win that aspect of it. We talk about the 49ers offense. What about their defense and the reinforcements they're going to get? We don't know about Tack McKinley, but what about Richard Sherman, Matt? He's in all likelihood going to be back on the field. We've talked for years now about the cerebral impact that he has on the game, both when he was an adversary of the 49ers and obviously when he came over to the 49ers in 2018. The pass rush isn't overpowering. They don't have Nick Bosa anymore. But what will getting Richard Sherman's brain back there do for this defense? Do you think that can help them out, Fox, Sean McVay, Jared Goff, and the Rams? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, they're 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 going to be shifting things around at, at cornerback. I think that uh, the reason they did this uh, one cornerback plays the boundary, one cornerback plays the field side this year is because um, Richard Sherman is uh, a touch slower than he used to be, and that the field side of the field allows him to use his brain, his experience, to his advantage. So um, to this point, uh, Jason Barrett has been playing on the field side. So I think that when Sherman comes back, they're going to move Barrett to the other side, which has been the side that's been victimized uh, repeatedly th- this season. Um, the, the Arizona game, the Miami game, and the Seahawks game. Uh, whoever was playing boundary cornerback in those games just got picked on mercilessly so you're gonna have a better guy there um he's better at at press cornerback too so that that frees up everybody that that allows the the safeties to have a little bit more license uh it it does everything so um you would think that the secondary as a whole not just the cornerbacks but the the safety play would be a little bit i don't know more versatile more looser more apt to do something unexpected like blitz or or or, or do something uh when you've got two experienced guys in uh sherman and barrett playing those spots so i i think that's uh that's that's going to be a big deal for that that side of the field uh the the question of course is can they complement that with uh you know carrie Hyder continuing to play like he did uh you know it turns out we were uh, I don't know if we were, Dennis, we were crit- criticizing Eric Armstead after the Saints game, but we, we all noted that he didn't quite have a lot of oomph in that game, um, wasn't very prominent, and it turns out that uh, he went on the COVID-19 reserve list right after that game. So that, that there may be an explanation there. So presumably he's going to be, um, you know, fresher coming out of, out of the bye as well. So uh, it's all it's all optimistic. It always is coming out of the bye. Uh, they just have to kind of uh, put it to practice. Uh, but what do you think about the uh, the cornerback uh, play and and uh, Richard Sherman possibly coming back into the the starting lineup? I like Richard Sherman. I mean, he's proved that he he is one of the the top tier cornerbacks in the National Football League. But you know, like Jimmy Garoppolo, it it really feels like since he's been with the 49ers, he's been injured a lot. But you can't replace that leadership. Uh, I think what he brings to the practice, preparing for a game and being on the field, 
game time. I, I don't think he can replace that. And what he probably does in the meeting rooms, watching films, maybe showing these young guys little tricks of the trade. But Richard Sherman, he's hurt a lot. And he's at the end of his career, I think. And he's that player-coach guy. But having him on the field will change the defense quite a bit. He doesn't have the pass rush he had last year. He's a press man guy. He's a, he's a guy that, that plays well because he can kind of read quarterbacks' you know, eyes. Or, or he understands the routes that receivers are trying to run. Uh, you can't replace that. But I really expect Richard Sherman all the time to to be hurt because that's what he's done since he's been with the 49ers. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the secondary is going to fall on his back, just like, you know, with, with Eric Armstead. We criticize Eric Armstead because he, he doesn't make plays. When Richard Sherman comes back, everybody everyone's going to be looking for uh, him to kind of you know, turn the secondary around. I don't. I just think he'll be out there as the player coach, and you know, I, I don't really expect him to finish the the season without getting hurt again. That's just my personal opinion about Richard Sherman. Well, we'll see. Let's wrap it up with a final thought, guys. I know that it's probably too early to make predictions. Next week is Thanksgiving, so we'll talk to you guys after the game. But uh, we need to know who's going to be available and who's not before we make predictions. So. Just wanted to wrap it up with a more overarching thought here about these final six games and how we feel they may go for the 49ers. And I think that it was Matt, you just said that Kyle Shanahan is hinting at the possibility of a run. He, I think, genuinely believes that this team has it in them. My thought is that this needs to be viewed as a one game at a time, fight to live another day situation for the 49ers. You don't have to win five out of six on one Sunday or six out of six on one Sunday. You have to win on the Sunday in front of you. And if that happens, then this can snowball because three Sundays, four Sundays from now, A, the 49ers will be favored in two games against Washington and Dallas, but B, they're going to start to get guys back. And I know that guys can get hurt too, but you have to just – play anticipating the best and if the 49ers do start getting stronger and they start resembling the roster they had at the start of this season all of a sudden these games don't look as daunting as going into SoFi Stadium as the underdog against the Rams so I'm just looking at this from a one week at a time perspective and I think that's what Kyle Shanahan's doing too and I think that's why it's not wise to count the 49ers out just yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the the big takeaway from the Saints game, obviously, is that they had a chance to to win it, and they didn't. And they committed way too many turnovers. Uh, this team's not good enough to overcome that. But they played really hard. I mean, that has to be encouraging to Shanahan, to, to John Lynch, to the fan base. I mean, we, we talked about this right after the game. I think that's why fans were so frustrated. I mean, most people expected the 49ers to lose that game and to lose it big. But uh, the, the frustration came from the fact that they were in it and that they should have won it, uh, that they were you know, they were beating the Saints up. I mean, they, they were knocking the Saints out of the game left and right, including um, a, a rib injury to the quarterback. So, I mean, if you could sort of bottle that fight, that uh, that spirit that they showed— um, and you get some talent back, I mean, that's a good combination to have. So I, I think that's the most uh, positive, the most encouraging thing, Dennis, uh, from my mind, uh, from my eyes, uh, going into these last six games. you got to do it you know, week by week. Uh, and, you know, the 49, 49ers have had nothing but bad luck as far, as far as the injuries go. So it's hard to predict how the season's going to end. It seems like every week, uh, there's two or three players that, that go on the IR or two or three 
players that uh, are out for the next game. So it's week it's week by week. But like you said, Matthew, that that game last week, you, you know, there's a lot of fight. There's still a lot of fight in this team, and I still they I still think they believe in Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, and what they're doing there. I think the culture there is, is still strong. They still remember last season, but it's got to be week by week, and you want to go out and compete, which I know they do. Uh, you just have to see what kind of comes out. You have to treat each week like it's a new season, and they'll be playing in a new stadium for the first time down there in Inglewood. So the 49ers just trying to live the fight that other day. Everybody have a good holiday week. We will talk to you after the 49ers play the Rams. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you next time.